Blog Talk Radio. Did you know that elders and others are losing their rights to liberty and property? Anyone can petition a court to have a person deemed incapacitated. What if that person is you? The adult guardianship system was created to protect incompetent people and their assets. A court-appointed guardian, sometimes a total stranger, can force you into a nursing home and sell your home to pay for services. Treasured belongings can disappear as you are drugged and isolated from loved ones. Why does this happen? Unfortunately, the courts don't have the funding to supervise and audit cases. A guardian makes all decisions decisions on your behalf, taking control of your assets with little accountability. The potential for abuse is frightening. Luckily, not all guardians exploit those under their care, but when they do, there's really nowhere to go for help. The National Association to Stop Guardian Abuse, NASGA, is working to reform adult guardianship to return it to its once noble purpose of protecting the human rights to life, liberty, and property and ending financial exploitation of assets. Are you or your loved ones protected? To learn more, visit StopGuardianAbuse.org. And, well, I love that ad. This is Marty mm-hmm. Oakley, by the way. Uh, I love that ad, but there's some problems with it. Why would you set up a tertiary uh, tribunal system that avoids the Constitution, the laws, rights, anything else, and not fund it to keep track of what it's doing? But, you you know, you're stealing all this money from all of these elderly people or, you know, famous people or whomever who have assets. Um, yeah. And I think that is probably one of the most insidious parts of this is making the targeted victim pay the attacker for the attack. I, that, mm-hmm. that is so sick. I cannot stand it. I cannot stand it. And I've done an extensive amount of research on guardianship, and it never has had a noble purpose. Never. It has always, always, for more than a thousand years and longer, been a system it used to be the kings did it or nobles of capturing someone and saying that they needed to take care of them and they were under the protection sound familiar and then taking all Mm -hmm. their assets and throwing them alongside the road this is what it's always been about in these days and times of course we've got your bar association which i think should be disbanded and outlawed across the country And they write the rules, they write the statutes, they write the codes, the regulations, all to benefit themselves. And across the country, on all the major law firms, 60% of their income comes from guardianship conservatorships. What does that tell you? We have a judiciary that is absolutely of no value to us on any level. Uh, And all of this in probate tribunals is facilitated by that hearing examiner, that ministerial clerk, that magistrate that's appointed by the governor in some states who makes sure the the system runs like it's supposed to um, and it isn't to benefit the ward. Being designated a ward means you are the property of the state. People who are in prison are wards of the state. You are a prisoner, get it? And you have no rights, you have nothing. You are stripped of all of your legal agency and legal capacity, meaning the right to your own existence as a living man or woman. Do not refer to yourself as a person. That's a corporate term. You are the living, breathing man or woman. And do not accept anything where your letter is all capitalized. That's an administrative court. And this is historical in capitalist domingo means you have lost all your civil liberties and you are dead in the law 
This is how slaves used to be identified. Their names were all capitalized. Don't this if this sounds look it all up. This is all easily researchable. Don't take my word for it. Look it up. Do some of the. All you have to do is get on the keyboard. That's all. And you can look every bit of this up. The idea, like I say, going back to the idea that the person who has been targeted because somebody wants their assets having to pay that attacker, the judge making yeah. money off the attack, you know, the, the guardian making money off the attack and sapping everything these people have, leaving them with no rights, no voice, no way to fight back. This is... Like I say, this never was a noble system, and now it's fine-tuned, and this is a harvesting machine, and they are simultaneously availing themselves of other people's assets while culling the elder population. When they're thrown into isolation, every state, every state has statutes forbidding isolation except in extreme cases, and yet is the first thing done in every state, and not a probate examiner not a person in the judiciary, not one of these attorneys will even acknowledge the fact that this is isolated. Who's doing what and you quit that? Sounds like you're scratching something. Stop. <laughs> Causes that you? And no. I was writing yeah. some notes. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> uh-huh. It was you. And... Uh, <laughs> But this is, like you say, none of these people says a word, and if they do say anything, it's to facilitate the crimes that are taking place and the system that is in operation. We've seen all these bills come out. Honest God, I could just scream, people, for God's sake, look past the title. Read the damn bill. It will make your stomach turn what's in there. You had Florida SB 10. 10 that died in committee in April. They revived it. I said they would here last week. And this bill is almost a thousand lines of the most convoluted, twisted, torn up, I can't make heads or tails of what you're saying, crap, about establishing supported decision-making. If you can get through this, and think that you're going to be able to have supported decision-making. They've put so many rules and but and if and just in case. And if you do this and if you don't jump up and twirl around three times and whistle Dixie, it's all off the table. And in the end, a probate examiner can still cast it aside. Mm-hmm. And, this, and this bill does nothing, absolutely nothing except establish more agencies and bureaucracies and funding and grant money to the very people we fight on a daily basis. And some of these advocates are jumping up going, well, at least we got something. You got nothing. Are you happy with that? I keep asking you that. I don't care. would be happy. Yes, and you hear them bragging about, I'm working with this senator, and I'm working <laughs> with that representative, and I was in their office, and we're good friends. Yeah. They're using you, I got fool. a picture. Yeah, I got a picture. Look at this picture. Here I am. And aren't I important? Mm-hmm. Don't you think I'm important? And um, mm-hmm. But these people are not your friend. They are not going to help you. This is going to take a unified effort. 
without the glory hogs, we don't need you. Uh, <laughs> if if people are serious about working together without throwing all this crap in there about who's most important and who's who's the smartest, and if it wasn't for them and if it wasn't for you, I don't want to hear it. I really don't want to hear it. I would like to engage with people who are sincere about changing this system, abolishing it, if at all possible, and getting rid of it. It is a threat to all of us. And not only are they taking the elderly and the sick and the chronically ill, but they're snatching your kids, too. There's big money in those kids. Uh, Here a while back, uh, it was brought up to me about how the gays and the lesbians and and the transgendered people are destroying the American family, the traditional family. No, they're not. You don't even know these people. What the hell are you talking about? How could they destroy your family? Who's destroying your family is the government, and they're doing a fine job. They are the only people who have the power to do that. People you don't know that are in a whole different neighborhood or state or live in a different environment have no effect on your family. But they are a convenient target to point at and say if it wasn't for them. Well, if it wasn't they hadn't done this or that. No, it's not for them. Look to those people in D.C. Look to the people in your local legislature, your state legislature. These are the people that you have to get a hold of. And there again, money talks. Every time we have tried to get a bill passed that had any teeth to it, the bar association associated with that area will start dumping massive amounts of money into campaign chests. And so do several other people who have a vested interest, people from the guardianship associations, from these private fiduciary companies, start dumping massive amount of money in campaign donations. And suddenly the senator representative for your state uh, they've got important things. To, they they can't deal with this right now because they've got important things to deal with. And, you know, kidnapping elderly people and stealing their estate and then neglecting them and psychologically torturing them, that's just not up there on my list of priorities. I have important things to worry about. Mm-hmm. Somebody save us, please. I don't know what this is going to take. This is our 14th year. We're, next week we'll wind up for the year. I don't see that we've made any headway other than we keep getting these bogus bills. Go back to 2019 and Grassley's Elder Justice and Protection Act was nothing of the kind. It was a reiteration of federal and state laws against wire fraud, uh, internet scams, and this and that against the elderly. That's all it was. But page six in the middle of this monstrosity said to further support and empower these organizations. They were providing more funding, and here was a list that seemed like it was never going to end of every agency we fight on a daily basis. And down at the end, because I had raised hell with the DOJ over this, they had put a little caption down there that says, um, the Department of Justice has been charged with writing model legislation on guardianship abuse and I called them and I said, "This you can't do this. You can't do this. You, you're not allowed to write laws. I said, all laws originate in the House and under the non-delegation doctrine, you cannot be given the right to write laws. And so oh. we ran around and around and around about that. Yeah, you didn't know that? You can't do that. And um, yeah. 
So it just, yeah. So, but eventually, you know, as it played out, they didn't do anything anyway. They never intended to. And, of course, we had glory hogs busting the door of the DOJ because they were going to go in there and, and demand it, and they damn near went to jail. Uh, you can't do that. Just a tip to those people who are working seriously on this issue and aren't looking to be a star, cannot do that. Um, you don't dare want to do anything like that. And where we go from here, I don't know this next year. I know I've got a feeling it's going to be profoundly different. A lot of things are changing when we come back the first of the year. A lot of that will be apparent. Like I say, no glory hogs need apply. Um, we've had all you we can for, stand. Will it be changing for the good, or are we going to have more coronavirus or something? What do you oh, feel? Oh, for God's sake, I'm so sick of that. Um, yeah. they, <laughs> the Omicron variant now? Oh, please. Mm-hmm. You couldn't identify and isolate the supposed virus to begin with. How could you identify a variant? And it just <laughs> happened to show up in North Africa, who was absolutely recording no COVID infections. Of course, everybody gets ivermectin on a regular basis because it's a good antiparasitic. And they have a little problem with that there. So the population is is continually given a supply of ivermectin. Well, guess what? No COVID. And and I, I blame myself here about three weeks ago on the air. I said, how come it is we don't hear anything about Africa? I said, because they're not vaccinating. They don't have this mess going on and I said uh, they are, they're using ivermectin all the time and now all of a sudden and I blame myself <laughs> all of a sudden they've got this Omicron variant it's mild and it causes mild symptoms but it's the new variant on COVID which we never proved existed to begin with we've never isolated even from tissue of a dead person who they claim died of COVID we still have nothing so we're all getting up in the roar, in an uproar over what basically is the flu and a bad cold. And I'll say it again. I've said it I don't know how many times. I'll say it again till you figure it out. Have you noticed the only people dying COVID are in the hospitals, in the nursing homes, in the prisons, in the jails where they have a captive population? You, we have a massive and growing homeless population in this country. Los Angeles, the perfect example, 59,000, count them, 59,000 homeless people sitting dead in the middle of the city of Los Angeles. And yet somehow this plague, this pandemic, hasn't wiped them out. Now, how is mm-hmm. that possible? And yet you're running around with a stupid mask on your face. Take that damn thing off. You're making yourself sick. You're causing fungus to grow in your mouth. That gets down in your lungs. And guess who's sick? And now you got COVID. Uh-huh. I, I'm telling you, this stuff just drives me crazy. It just absolutely drives me crazy. And people go, uh, if you respect your neighbors, you'll put on a mask. I no. But if you've been vaccinated, please have respect for those of us that had enough sense not to do this and keep your distance you are spreading, shedding for two to three weeks after vaccination, whatever they infected you with, your distance. In fact, if you were so worried about your neighbors, you would self-isolate and keep yourself at home until that period of time has passed. 
every vaccine that's produced does this. You shed it for two to three weeks after vaccination. This one is no different. So like I say, what you need to do is take your little vaccinated selves home and mind your business so you don't infect the rest of us. The Delta variant that came up, um, oh, that was nice. Uh, oh, it's terrible. It was a variant. The virus is mutating until somebody had to admit that it was the people who had been vaccinated were spreading this so-called Delta variant. But there again, how can you cite something that you never proved to exist to begin with and say you've got a variant? People listen to what they're telling you. And you're all screaming, we got our shots and we got to get our boosters. And now you're handing your children over, five to 11-year-olds. Oh, somebody save us, please, somebody save us. And I don't know who it's going to be because I swear to God, we're getting dumber by the minute. But anyway, our show tonight, um, we got several things to talk about. Cause, of course, we'll be doing the hog report. Now, if you want to call in and make a comment or ask questions, when you call in, as soon as the system answers, hit the number one. That'll flag me that you want to come on, okay? And the call-in number is 917-388-4520. That's 917-388-4520. Hit the number one. And then I'll get you right on the show and you could just speak your mind. And no, you don't have to agree with me or anybody else. As long as you're civil, we got no problem. Anyway, tonight with me, of course, is Kaz Gave and our friend from Pennsylvania, Elaine Mickman. Elaine, of course, is the author of Court Gate, The Court's Divorce from the Law Without Liberty or Justice at All, a very successful book written from firsthand experience. Uh, this woman has been dragged through the dirt, stomped on, thrown up in the air, kicked across the football field, deprived of her rights, all her possessions, and hung out to dry. And it, that is a story you you have to read it to believe just how sick this is. But anyway, she's with us. Got a lot of things to talk with her. Kazi, what have you got up for tonight? Well, today's focus is Montgomery County, Pennsylvania. We have had one of the most wildly popular guests is Arthur. And we were hoping to have him on today, but... I guess he is going to have to go to jail, became on our show. So what we're doing, yeah, so he's, he is, what was it? He's in contempt of court. So I guess our show, Marty, is just so bad that you're going to get thrown on jail if you go on, on, our, on our show. But anyway, it's this attorney, David Jaskowiak, who I've had to deal with myself in our case. Guy's just, you know, a huge jerk. Anyway. I have gotten more calls from people after we had Arthur on that also are having to deal with David Jaskowiak. This is staying, names will not be mentioned. We are not Facebook friends. No one, so nobody can figure out who it is that I know. Everything's just over phone calls. But this man is pretty, is just really causing a lot of trouble. We do have a video about him at Shenanigans. It's called Salma's Story. And Mr. Shenanigans did like the whole, um, I asked Mr. Shenanigans if he would post it again up at the top of the feed, but Arthur does have his website and it's posted there on the top of his feed. And hopefully you can 
um, Google it, um, Thelma story. But anyway, the, the shenanigan videos are really nice because they show all the court records and tell the story with the court records in the, in the, the what are they called? The PowerPoints. So okay. it's very good. You'll bit, pretty much get to see, you know, what kind of man that Arthur is having to deal with and just what a dirty, rotten scoundrel scoundrel he is and and what he's doing to Arthur and so what we are going to have to start planning is our GoFundMe for Arthur to bail him out of jail we hope that he doesn't get thrown in jail but they he seems to have really struck a nerve with them and his testimony is pretty powerful for someone to come after a man who only wants to be with his mother it's unreal you know we have all kinds of crime going on in this country. And Montgomery County, I mean, the one most disgusting story, the Grace Packer story, a child protective service employee who murders the girl who was taken from their family. I mean, do we not have time to focus on those kind of things that are happening in Montgomery County? No. We have to focus on a man who wants to be with his mother because she's 96 Ooh. years old. Yeah, uh-huh. but we yeah, but let's not worry about you know this Grace Packer story. And we've we've had this we've talked about this story before. It is one of the most disgusting stories, and the fact that there was some odd holes that went in and protected the county. There was the they were there was people suing over who would be the executor of the estate of of uh, Grace Packer because they were going to sue Child Protective Services and Otthold mm-hmm. went in and made sure that the biological parents would have no rights even though the they were taken they were a poor family and they took this girl from them it's just very very awful this is the kind of people that are you know hanging out in Montgomery County in the courthouse they have they don't have time to investigate those sorts of things or handle the court correctly there but we're worried about a man who wants to visit his 96 year old mother and because he came on our show and talked about it because they said she's a ward now and he doesn't have rights he is uh in contempt of court and there's a 65 page document and we're trying to figure out how to get that loaded up Mr. Shenanigans is going to get that loaded up. We have seen the copy of it. This is a for real thing. Uh, it's just un- it's unbelievable. Um, Elaine, have you seen that doc? I think you have seen that document. I did. I did. Yeah. I, just wanted to, I wanted to point, uh, just make a remark here. Um, he's actually, he's not in contempt yet. He was, a, pet- a contempt petition was filed, you know, just like when someone's accused, uh, and he has to, um, you know, dispute it or refute it and defend himself. Uh, so, so he's not yet in contempt until they slam that hammer. But, um, and, and really, contempt is supposed to be like when they punish you. It's supposed to be willful contempt. You know, like that you did something deliberately. Uh, and so, you know, to me, this is like really ridiculous. He's got a 96-year-old mom. How much, I, I don't want to sound negative, but how much time, if you're lucky enough to live that long, how much time do you think, you know, his, his mom has and why can't he be with his mother? And, and why, is, why is the government coming in and, you know, taking possession of his mother as if she's their property? You know, it's all about 
you know, mm-hmm. the money. That's, that's all it's about. Right. Uh, you, you know, what happened about your parents or, you know, or the grandparents living with their children when they're older, you know, that's how it was. I know with uh, one of my grandmothers lived with us for a while. My other grandmother lived with my aunt and uncle for a while. I mean, this is just how it is. Even my ex-husband, his mm-hmm. grandfather lived with them. Like, wh- why is it that people are coming in, taking possession of somebody? You know, there's no reason other than the money. Um, but one thing I thought was interesting was, uh, I guess he's being accused of, well, uh, medical records, like they want to seal those medical, they, you know, they don't want anything out there. And normally, uh, an average person might say, well, that sounds right. But I could tell you in Montgomery County Court, none of those things applied in my case, where, in my case, a family court case, but I was actually court ordered to sign a contract that permitted the, um, the psychologist expert or whatever you want to call them, that they were allowed to do whatever they wanted with mine and my children's HIPAA protected records. They were allowed, the person was even allowed to write a book if they wanted to. So that's interesting wow. how, how they want to hold him in contempt for talking about the medical records when I was actually court ordered with the threat of jail if I didn't permit. I was forced to sign. Uh, a contract saying the psychologist is allowed to give out the stuff. Um, and that particular psychologist does it all the time. I actually found his name one time on something called, you know, in the Google ripoff report. There was some person who must, he must have done that too as well. That's his, that was the psychologist's normal practice. And it was, he was court appointed. So that stuck out in my head. Uh, the other thing is like, why isn't he allowed to talk about his own mother? Um, I can understand maybe if there's certain private things. I mean, you don't want to give out your parents' social security number, you know, mm-hmm. you know like nothing to do. But, you know, I don't know how much he's saying about his mom, but, my gosh, it's his mother. Uh, we all talk about exactly. our parents. Right. Well, well, and you then, know, the thing is, go ahead, Cuz. Well, I, I mean, he would, from when I was talking to him and, uh, they said that he's like violating HIPAA, so people need to understand no. you're not violating HIPAA unless well, you're profiting. And they need to know we did not pay Arthur to come on this show, so Arthur did not receive money by yeah. talking about anything about his mother. And so HIPAA violations is when you are profiting or you know gaining money because you're talking mm-hmm. about anything like this. So they need to understand we did not pay Arthur to come on this right. show. So hi- technically, these court people don't even know what HIPAA is. And they, and Judge Ott doesn't know because in my own case, and Jessica White was sitting there. I mean, these morons are supposed to be working with the elderly, and they don't even know what HIPAA is. But they like to say, oh, you're in HIPAA violation. You're HIPAA. Like, why don't you go, like, Google it and see what it actually is? This is yeah, just, they just can bully and say it, you know. They can just call HIPAA, everyone HIPAA violation. They don't even know what it is. HIPAA violation, HIPAA, is not about protecting patient privacy. It is about sealing up that patient file so that you cannot find wrongdoing by the doctors, the hospital, somebody else that would have caused injury. It was the wrong diagnosis, too much medication. 
It is prevent you from filing suit against this is nothing but a protect your ass bill. And people I say, oh, it's HIPAA you. privacy. Mm-hmm. Patient privacy. Yeah, this hasn't got anything to do with no. the patient. Nothing to do with it. This no. is protecting the medical industry from being exposed for wrongdoing, whether intentional or not. Um, the other thing is, as far as him, if that probate examiner says to him, you know, uh, I'll hold you in contempt for one thing. This is a tribunal, and they have no authority to cite contempt. And secondly, they can't put them in jail because they have no authority to do that either. What they will do, and they'll probably do it before this court date, is send an order mm-hmm. over to a state judge who will sign it. And then if they decide to put him in jail, it is that order that will be used because that probate examiner has no authority to arrest anyone. So it will be a state judge. It's called spreadable. They consider it spreadable. You send it over to a state to a real judge who just yeah. blindly signs it and sends it back. And so it will be interesting to see whose name is on that warrant should should one uh, be issued. Mm-hmm. But all of this, this trickery and all this legislation and the double speak, the words that don't make any sense. I, I go right. back to this SB 1010. Honest to God, I can usually cut through a piece of legislation pretty quick. This is one of the most twisted up, garbled, nonsensical, and it's all supposed to be about supported decision making. What it actually does is it gives the state more power over the ward and the estate. And in the end, you can't jump through all of the hoops that they have set up there and establish supported decision making and in the end after all of that should you be successful a probate examiner can still dismiss it and apply a guardian it's like i told you here a couple weeks ago watching the bar association on this because supported decision making has become really a an issue people want it rather than this guardianship program so i was over on the bar association's page and they're talking about supported decision making that it's this wonderful idea and, and you'd have help from people you know and everything. And this could be a wonderful, workable, usable system as long as it was overseen by a proficient guardian. We're right back where we started. Uh, they're trying to co-opt this, take it over, and make it look like it's something they're doing. It's the last thing they want. All in all, until they until they get hold of these probate examiners, these ministerial clerks or magistrates, and shut the door on them. This has to be abolished. This cannot be fixed. This was corrupt from the beginning. It was intended to be. We give felons better treatment than we give the elderly caught in guardianship in oh, this country. I agree. We, we treat them better. Um, it, it is, mm-hmm. you lose your identity. You lose your right to your own business. You lose your right to, to associate with whom you wish to. And they slam you in one of these mm-hmm. homes, isolated, where most of the times you're neglected and and not taken care of. We, we've got stuff happening all over the country with these nursing homes, uh, the, the terrible, terrible situation in these homes. This is like, this is like a concentration camp. And it makes me think oh, of here, absolutely. this last year, we, we had a fellow on from... Australia, whose father was in a Jewish nursing home. They were Jewish, and he was in a Jewish nursing home. He went in the one time and caught them beating his father up. He went in another time, found his father on the floor. 
He'd been there, obviously, for maybe a couple days and covered in his own waste and vomit and everything else. And he complained to the manager who did nothing. So he went to the man who actually owned the nursing home, another Jewish man. He pressed charges against the son for stalking him. And they actually, um, Four Corners over there actually did an expose on it. They didn't allow Jewish religion. They have certain religious days they're supposed to be together and celebrations they're supposed to be together. And he could never be with his father on those holy days. And the the last I knew, he was in hiding from these people. I don't know what happened to his father, but this happens here also. Um, don't think because it has some church's or religion's name in front of it that they're going to fare any better. They're not. They don't care about these people. This is just, they are objects. They are things. This is what guardianship does to you. You're no longer considered a living, breathing human being. You are an object or a thing. And they treat you as such. You're an account. You are an account. Yes. That's what you are. An account. How much are you bringing in? Mm -hmm. We've seen them them referred to as units and merchandise. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I I thought Arthur had a good point. You know, this David Jaskowiak, who is the court-appointed attorney who, his, who Arthur's mother is having to pay out of her estate. So he's supposed to be representing her and what her best interests are. Uh, it appears David Jaskowiak did not consult with his client to see if she would approve of this contempt paperwork that was filed. Because oh. I highly doubt that she, I mean, if, you, if you're representing somebody, shouldn't you discuss, hey, what do you think about me trying to throw your son in jail? You good with that? <laughs> and you're paying me oh, for it to do it. What do you think? I, I mean, he should go consult with her. Yeah. Well, the, the thing is, the, the person he would have to, the way guardianship is set up, the guardian now, in essence, assumes the identity yeah. So, uh, of the of the targeted victim, and they present themselves as that person. So the person he should have consulted with is the guardian who's posing as oh. Arthur's mother. You yeah, see? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that so then he's, and, yeah, and then that yeah. guy said, "Yeah, yeah, this sounds like a good idea because then we can probably go sell the house yes. while Arthur's sitting in the jail or something." Yes. So, yep. yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just unbelievable. But I do believe they will, through the day that they started messing with Arthur, he has so many great tricks up his sleeve. He is definitely going to be a thorn in their side, and we're going to be right there with them. We've getting a GoFundMe ready, and I know Elaine was going to talk about some GoFundMe's. It seems like Guardians don't like us doing GoFundMe, so we have found out. And I've done a little bit of research on how I know. So here's the danger of a GoFundMe on their end. So what happens with GoFundMe, there are people who actually go to this website, and GoFundMe, billions of dollars goes through this site. It's just, it's incredible. We all know what it is as as I'm talking about it. So what can happen is one story can go viral. And you can't control what it is. And it's usually, it's not like I want to go to summer camp, give me money. It's more of these human, human interest stories that seem to snap and go viral. And the guardians and the court 
do not want to risk this. So I've actually heard, and we've actually had a few people on on the show that said, oh, we were told to take our GoFundMe down. And it kind of triggered, like, why are, oh, why are they wanting us to take the GoFundMe down? And then Elaine and I had a conversation on the phone the other day, and she'll explain what happened with her GoFundMe. And it really triggered. It's like, oh, so we're, we, we will be planning Arthur's GoFundMe when he goes in jail. We don't care. If you can't give money to the GoFundMe, that's really not what it's about. It's share it, share it, share it, because these things go viral, and they, they just blow up where the evils cannot control this. And there's been wow. so many social issues that have blown up on these GoFundMe platforms. And, they, yeah, they blow up fast, like overnight. Yeah. And so evil people, they can't control it. And this is why they're terrified of GoFundMes because I did, I sat one night and I just sat and read GoFundMes because I want to say, okay, how are they written? Because this is going to be good. How are they written? Which ones are getting the most, you know, the most looks, the most action? It's not about the money raising. I want share, 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 share. And you can put links. So we'll have links to shenanigans. We'll have links, you know, explaining what's going on. And that can be shared at such a rapid pace. And there's people who just go to this website because they have nothing to do and they just want to give money to GoFundMe. And they read these things and they become outraged. And so it's actually a very powerful tool. So everyone listening, think about doing a GoFundMe, not because you're trying to earn money, but because also because you're trying to raise awareness. It's a very, very powerful vehicle and one that I love to go from here and have Elaine talk about the GoFundMe that Montgomery County freaked out on her about and so that people could see just really what a great vehicle this is. So everyone listening, do your GoFundMe because the judge is going to tell you to take it down. All right, go ahead, Elaine. Tell us about that GoFundMe. It's a great story. Well, first of all, I never had a GoFundMe. It was my daughter. So uh, after the court took everything from us, we, you know, we were living we were basically like destitute. My daughter was ready. You know, she went off to college. She got scholarship, of course. But scholarships, they don't pay for everything. Um, and the school she went to gave her, like, a scholarship, but then she was out of state, so they charged triple tuition. Bottom line is uh, her second year had been coming around, and she didn't have sufficient funds for her school. Uh, she was in a panic. She had a boyfriend, and her boyfriend suggested to go fund me to her, and then her best friend also said the same thing and so she went and put up a GoFundMe. She did it herself, had nothing to do with me. And she wrote about her, you know, about the tragic story uh of our court case and, you know, about she she wrote she actually included like corruption with the court and the judges. You know, my kids were tortured. They were, you know, locked in rooms, threatened, um, all sorts of stuff. So she put that up, and then um, I don't even know how anybody found out about it, but um, they filed a contempt petition. Uh, ex-husband, I guess his attorney, filed it against me. Well, my daughter had to come in from college, from out of state, uh, and testify that it was hers. And, uh, oh, my ex-husband's attorney, he he let her have it on the um, witness stand. He, he he, he was so abusive to her, and, you know, he was. I said something to the judge, you know, 
you know, she was being treated hostily, you know, and she was, um, you know, my daughter was only like 18 years old, and the judge didn't care. She did not care. Well, they could not, they had no way to hold me in contempt, but she ended up, uh, I don't know if she took it down or abandoned it or whatever, because I guess she really was, she didn't get too much sympathy. Listen, every kid in the country, most, not every kid, but plenty of them were saying, hey, I don't have any money for college. Please donate. It wasn't, she had, you know, a different situation where we were in certain circumstances. She really was up against the wall with it. But, yeah, I could just tell you that um, this was not like the Rittenhouse where a story where she had attorneys building a big fund for her she's just a teenager and they went after me for it when you know it wasn't mine but they don't want anything out there uh that's true and i'm going to tell you that these judges all these laws are only for their own convenience and i tell you something i was looking up a law this last week for something it was a law that i had used in my filings in the court and so forth and I don't know how I missed it, but it actually states on there that they have a comment li- listed on the law. And it specifically says it's for the convenience of the bench and bar, the bench being the judges and the bar. So if they want to twist this law and use it for their convenience to use the law backwards, they can. They can apply it or misapply it. So that was, I thought that was really interesting that they actually put it there in plain English. Hey, and I did want to remark on another thing to Marty. There is this uh, case, uh, it's, it's very narrow, so it's not broad. It's called Lagos versus United States. And I'll read it to you. It says, in provision of the mandatory victim Restitution Act of 1996 that requires certain convicted defendants to reimburse the victim for expenses incurred during participation in the investigation or prosecution of the offense or attendance of proceedings related to the offense. Um, but so if you, if somebody is, <laughs> I don't know who can do this, but if you're successful and getting something criminally, you know, one of these crooks, I'm just going to say in general crooks, whether it's, um, you know, guardianship or any other, you know, I don't know, it would be family court, guardianship, any of these courts. If you're able to get some of those people convicted, you can seek for reimbursement, um, you know, but you would have to have someone prove, you know, uh, that there's the crime and they'd have to be prosecuted and that's a real task in itself because right. we don't think that we don't have the old FBI. I don't are you familiar with Operation Grey Lord, either of you? Yes. No. I am, yes. Yeah. We don't that have any yeah. yeah, I mean I you know, this um and I've spoken to him um uh I don't know, five years or six years whenever it was and he this Former FBI agent, uh, I think he was also an attorney. He was um, important in 
this investigation, they called it Operation Greylord, where there was so much systemic corruption in the particular courthouse over there. They took them down. And I and I'll tell you, I don't think too many government people really cared so much about the corruption as they care. It always comes down to taxes. <laughs> when all these crooks, I'm I'm just using a very broad general term. I'm calling them crooks. Uh, yeah. When they make all this money and they don't pay their taxes, that's when the government gets interested. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm just saying that every time somebody gets caught, it always comes back to the taxes. That's what happened when they found those ki- the kitty prison, the kids for cash. Those mm-hmm. two judges, they did not go to jail for the kitty prison. They only went to jail for not paying taxes on the bribes that they received. So it always comes down to the taxes. And I think that was the underlying issue with the Operation Grey Lord, even though you read stuff and you see all these crimes, all those mm-hmm. crimes that they list, oh, they're indicted for this, that, and the other. That is just to make it look nice and justifiable why they were prosecuted. But at the end of the day, at the beginning of the day, it all comes back to if they're not paying their taxes, uh, that's why the government seems to get interested and they'll prosecute. They've got so, it. I would I, have to guess that there's potholes not paying taxes. This is, this is could <laughs> be good. Yeah. If, yeah. You good. If, you, if you have something to prove, go ahead. Sorry. I just got a um, message from a good friend of ours who said, may I suggest you look at the politicians who were or are court-appointed guardians. Bingo. The former mayor mm-hmm. of D.C., Adrian Fenty, was a guardianship attorney accused of ripping off vulnerable wards. Um I think this is something we need to look into and how many of these attorneys that are now sitting in a, a, you know, house of representatives or the Senate, either state or federal were previously guardians Mm. or guardian attorneys. Mm -hmm. And Marty, Um, uh, one of the uh, judge, one of the judges in Montgomery County, she'll be retiring, I think in December before she became a judge, she was a guardian. She was and a was guardian of someone I know. Go ahead. And I had Christmas. to deal with her. She, she's the one who allowed um, Harvey's will to be contested. They decided that his partner of 30 years was an elder abuser, Cheryl oh. Austin. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. I have all the paperwork. Elder abuser, yeah. your partner of 30 years. So, you know, the state decided they should keep all that money. And, yeah. and I want to, you know, with Arthur, when he goes to court, if they the judge says, you know, I'm going to hold you in contempt, Arthur needs to respond. So you're threatening me, and because this is a big no-no, and that's another mm-hmm. thing. These probate tribunals do not. In fact, even in state and in, in civil and criminal court, there is really nothing that is called contempt of court. Nothing. Mm-hmm. This is a made-up charge. And uh, it's used to just leverage the situation. And people think because it came out of the mouth of one of these black robe mafia members that um, it must be true. I, I'm worried about Arthur. What I, I like to say, I've got a the cause has helped. And, and I've talked with Arthur today. Mm-hmm. 
We have a system set up for tracking him where he's at, if he's okay, and what's going to happen if they do put him in jail. Uh, and the reason mm-hmm. they want to jail him is no other reason than they want to and intend to sell his mother's house while he's incarcerated. Now, what they would charge him with, I don't know. And supposedly, it's against the law in this country to hold anyone without charges, but we know that throws, gets thrown out the window, too. So what is it they're going to charge him with? Contempt of court, that's not a real charge. Right. So, well, so what? Well, they there's a class the action... There's a class action lawsuit, the ACLU, which I know some people say don't go to the ACLU because they won't do anything. There's actually a court there. They actually do do something. So be careful what glory hogs you listen to. Anyway, um, there's a class action lawsuit going on right now in Montgomery County, and it's holding people and not letting them out on bail. Isn't that right, how that went down, Elaine? Yeah, it's I currently think they, they they were keeping. I think, according to what I read, they were the court was keeping people in for pet, you know, petty things, very right. ridiculous things. Not you like know, wanting not to like see your mother. Yeah, some, some ridiculous thing like uh, some guy had a, a he didn't pay a ticket, a, you know, drop, you know, he got stopped or something, didn't pay his ticket, <laughs> you know, ridiculous thing. Mm-hmm. Um, some lady, I think I read one lady. She might have, she, I think she had, she's on like dialysis or something serious like that. And I think she had smoked some pot or, you know, <laughs> some ridiculous thing that I thought it was legal to do it anyway. Oh, just, no. You know, some, something, you know, it was just pet, like petty things. Uh, but I'll tell you, um, I know somebody who was thrown in a jail cell. Now they let her out in a few hours, but they never charged, read her rights. They never charged her. And then. They did not even send her anything for a couple of months. Then they sent her some sort of like a citation, like a ticket. So, you know, they're just doing what they want. And it's really scary to know that, um, like, if they don't charge you and, and read you your rights, then they have no business putting you in a jail cell. And when you do get put in jail for contempt, it's, you know, it's a really scary thing because there's no guidelines. It's all discretional. So you can, you can basically go to prison for the rest of your life or jail, whatever you want, because there's no guidelines. If you go rob a bank, they have guidelines how long you can be sentenced, you know, for mm-hmm. murder, any, any other crime. But contempt, they can leave you in there. There was this, it was actually, I believe it was a lawyer. Uh, and I can't remember the year it was. I just know when he was going to get out around, oh, somewhere around 2009 or, no, 2010. He had been in jail or, I guess, jail, prison for 14 years for contempt because he wouldn't turn over discovery. So in, this is from a, a divorce case. Now, I think I'm pretty sure he was a lawyer. He obviously knew that they're going to take that discovery and clean him out. And occasionally, you know, often we think of, well, the lawyers, they're on the inside. But you never know, not always, not every single lawyer is as connected. You know, it's possible that the uh, spouse had a very connected attorney or paid a lot of money. This guy was in jail, I believe, for 14 years. That's just for not giving them the treasure map. 
<laughs> that's what I call yeah. it. You know, it's a it's a treasure map. Here's Mom. where all my money is. Here's how. Here's yep. the account number. Here's here's where it's at, and here's how you can get it. So he wouldn't give the treasure map, and I could promise you they didn't care about his uh, ex-wife or spouse. Um, they only cared about themselves, how much they're going to get. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, right. I'm, I'm telling you from my own experience and from every everybody that I know. So I can't tell you 100% of every other case, but the people that I know and my own experience, that's all it comes down to. Uh, show me the money. <laughs> Give me the money. Yeah. That's what, yeah. yeah. Now, Montgomery they, County was successfully sued by the ACLU in 2015. So how you can find this stuff out, you go to the ACLU website and you put in your search bar and you search Montgomery County, Pennsylvania. And this is how I found, I found the case. So in 2015, they were class action lawsuit against Montgomery County because ACLU does do class action lawsuits, believe it or not, even though some people think they don't. And what Montgomery County was doing was they were doing, like, I guess if you pull someone over, you can seize, seize their stuff or, you know, just go in and seize stuff. And they were seizing it and they were never charging why they were seizing it and they kept it. They never were charging people, but who they were doing it to was 50% of these seizures that they kept and never charged anywhere were people of the black community, but only 9% of Montgomery County are members of the black community. And so that was the class action lawsuit that, was successfully won by the ACLU against Montgomery County in 2015 with all this. Well, what they I mean, were doing, they do whatever they what, do. I mean, they get to just do stuff like this. They, what you're doing is the policing for profit program. And even if they don't charge you and you're never charged with anything, whatever they seized and they had those police on uh, video and, and audio where he's yelling at them, lead officers yelling at them, grab the goodies taking cell phones, computers, phones, TVs, whatever had value, cars, trucks. The people don't get it back. And I believe, and I'm going to have to, don't hold me to this, but I believe the Supreme Court came out and said, you can't do this. I'm surprised that lazy bunch of no good, whatever they are. Anyway, um, well, they're worthless. They just are absolutely worthless. And, um, you know, I talked about this bill SB 1010 in Florida. Peggy's going to be talking more about that when she's on next Wednesday night. This bill is just absolutely the most god awful thing you've ever seen. And uh, but uh, we, we're in a situation where we need to be looking at who's behind all of this. Who are these string pullers? Who's keeping this system running? And how? What is their affiliation with this program? What are they getting out of it? Um, as our friend brought up about the former mayor of D.C., having been a guardian attorney, um, we need to find out how many of these people are in government now. I think that's something mm-hmm. we need to be investigating to find out because these yeah. are the people that are facilitating this system. They're the ones keeping it going, yeah. make sure the laws that do come out are worthless, just like these ones that have come out recently. Mm-hmm. And um and let me say, again, people, don't just read the title. That title of that bill means nothing. Read the bill and see what the language of the bill says. 
uh, before you start rah-rahing, oh, we got a bill from, you know, Chris, and we got a bill from this one, and we got a bill. And it's all, it, basically, it's just an insult to everybody what's in that bill mm-hmm. or isn't in it that should have been. And um, <laughs> it just, so, it's, you know, these are things we we have to be looking at. Um, right now, I think we're skimming the surface, the end result of the corruption, instead of looking at mm-hmm. the cause or the players yeah. uh, who are causing the corruption. I mm-hmm. think this is where we need to go next. And I we, go yeah, back just, to Peggy again. Uh, if we she's barely a, lifted the rock. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, yes, lift up the rock. And that's what she's doing. She started that group, mm-hmm. uh, USA Guardianship Task Force, and this is not associated with any state particular, um, but she's able to write legislation. And she's on, I tell you, she's got more information than any other 10 people I know about oh my how gosh, the system works. Yes, she is. Yeah. And, um, has and of course, a lot of the glory. Has she talked to Cindy yet? Has she talked to Cindy in Alaska yet? Okay. I don't know. Um, we'll have okay. to put her on that and see what she can. Of course, she's yeah. so busy now trying to get things put together. And, um, but, um, it, it is a proactive group that she is putting together. She's looking for lobbyists for each state. She'll help you jump the hoops to get that done. And um, but so that we have some sort of force out there to try and counter what's going on. Uh, and mm-hmm. the thing is, she provides the background information, what you need to know, um, you know, what you can do, what you can't do, and how you have to proceed. And this is stuff that we're not getting anywhere else. And so I would suggest if you haven't listened to the shows Peggy and and, uh, Betty Gosnell are on, you need to go listen to them. They're available in archive. And Peggy does talk fast, but you can listen to that show as many times as you want. And it's free. And make notes because the information is absolutely stunning. But, But, you know, here we are, you know, like I say, 14 years into this for me, and all it's done is gotten worse. We have a judiciary. I've noticed that in like Illinois, here in Georgia, um, I believe in Wisconsin and Minnesota, they have brought the probate tribunals up under the Supreme Court of the state. Um, wait a minute. In, in Illinois, they're under the district courts. But they're trying to link them to legitimate courts to make probate tribunals legitimate and lawful, and they aren't. They are not. They were set up and created specifically to get these cases out of civil or criminal court of law, out from under the common law, and into these tribunals where you have no rights. You don't have constitutional protections. And when you go in there, that designation of guardians your guardian eyes at ward of the state, you have become a thing. You have become property, an object. You have no rights. You can't claim any rights. And these people run all over the victims. Now, my problem in all of this is just like people who work in hospice and murder people on a daily basis. How do you do this day in and day out and go home to your family like nothing happened, get up the next morning and go back and do it again? These people are social outcasts. They should not be circulating in general society. They are a danger to all of us. They're a danger actually to themselves. And I still advocate 
filing guardianship petitions on these guardians and attorneys because obviously there's something mentally wrong. A, a normal, decent person wouldn't consider doing anything like this. <clears throat> so that indicates to me that there's an underlying issue. There's a problem in their psyche that makes them a threat. And that's what I think. But anyway, go ahead, girls. I agree. They're all liars for hire. And it's it's the love of money that's like the root of all evil. It's, so Karen, we all need money, but it's the love of it. And it's just, it's all about stealing your money. That's all it's about. Yeah. If they, they look for anybody who has any kind, any kind of vulnerability, they operate with divide and conquer. They divide your family, whether it's, whether it's the family court with you and your children and, and inflaming stuff with the spouses or whether it's your parents and the guardianship or other family. It's all about divide and conquer and uh, steal and steal. You know, that's how you break into the bank. <laughs> you know, your bank. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they divide and conquer, isolate, and um, and that's all, and it's it, all the same. Like in, in Arthur's situation, he has this sister who, uh, from everything, you know, that I've seen, uh, isn't bouncing all the balls in the same direction and but they they look for these cases where there is sibling rivalry or some other problem and they drive a wedge in and they always court the Mm -hmm. one who is yeah the most malignant yeah yeah and they they always court each other yeah they pit them against each other they make they inflame it and uh and and that makes it even easier makes it really, really easy. So yeah, people, whoever's yeah. listening, they have to, you have to always keep in mind, you got to stick together. Hey, these, you know, these judges and all the players, I wanted all the court players, they could hate each other behind closed doors, but on the outside, they put up a front, a strong front, and they stick together, back each other up. They might curse each other out behind closed doors, but they stick together to get the job done. And, right. Uh, so, That's so right. people got to do the same thing. You got to, you got to guard your family, uh, even if you have issues with your sibling or your parent or whoever it is. Stick together. Would you rather the court system, you know, run over your loved ones, destroy your family even more? Or stick together and compromise some way and try to work something out privately. That's really what has to be done. And it's really unfortunate. I think probably what happens is when there's somebody who's not rational, uh, that's where the problem lies. Um, Well, and I think in Arthur's case, um, obviously, and we see this in every one of these cases where this wedge is driven in, the person who thinks they're you're the person who's being courted by the attorneys and the guardians and you know is going along with everything thinks they are going to benefit monetarily they're going to inherit yeah. the estate or you know yeah. and not realizing they're not going to get anything they're going to kick them yeah. to the side of the road and run to the bank um that's right and and it's i think it's a sad statement that none of this is about protecting these elderly people if if it was instead of stripping them of everything, their name, everything, wouldn't it, if this really was about protection, 
wouldn't there be laws in place to reinforce that protection so this kind of thing couldn't happen? Um, so that, you know, they couldn't be landed on, like they couldn't be exploited financially. They couldn't be stashed in a warehouse called a nursing home. You would think there would hey, be in law if this is actually what it was about, but go ahead. There was a case. Now, I would love for this. I don't know that it can happen, but I uh, learned uh, several weeks ago or a month or more ago about another case in Pennsylvania. And this is interesting because it was the woman, um, I guess she's about 50 or so, and I think she has a sibling. I don't know how many in her family, but the family owned a business. It had to do with liquor, you know, uh, beverage, liquor, stuff. The mother uh, appointed the daughter as like, uh, I don't know if it's guardian, power of attorney. And this is the mother's wishes that when the mother was older, the daughter would oversee the business, blah, blah, blah. So along comes, I don't know the very details, but along comes the government taking the guardianship or power of attorney or whatever her mother decided away from the daughter, handing it over to themselves, cleaning mm-hmm. out everything. And um, and this woman didn't know what to do. She, she had no idea. Um, I believe uh, recently the business, I thought it was supposed to be worth a load of money, but I believe... I was told it was sold for about $13 million. Now, and this woman lives on a compound where they had three houses on the property. You know, sometimes uh, families might have several houses where all the relatives, you know, children might live on. a lot of acreage. Yeah. Yeah, they might have a few houses on one, you know, like the old thing. Well, that was, uh, well, anyway. So now the woman had to answer by today if they if she wants to buy her own house from them because they're planning on taking her house from her. And uh, another woman was trying to assist her and tell her another woman from family court stuff that I know of. So the woman I know of is another victim from family court. She met this other woman because the other woman from the family with this beverage company that woman happened to have had the same judge in the state court that the fam- the woman I know had in family court. And so the woman was trying to, exp- the family court woman was trying to tell this woman whose family business is being stolen from them. And I don't think she recognized what was going on. They just stole the whole thing from her. I would love for her to call up and talk to you how they took the guardianship from her, and she didn't go put it on her. This is not an abusive thing. This was, um, you know, for her to take over the business uh, when her, because her mother passed away a few years ago, and the whole business was stolen from the family. Now this woman, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm curious to find out. She may be kicked out on the street. Even her houses will be taken from her. She'll be home. All to, all to pay her attorney fees because uh, they, they wanted to look out for her. Well, they didn't say it was attorney fees. The woman doesn't even have an attorney right now. Um, oh she God. doesn't even have an attorney at this point. But they just took the whole entire 
thing from her. And in fact, there was some kind of lawsuit involved with one of the employees suing the company that she had owned. And um, the insurance company attorney, you know, to me, it sounds like he was playing ball with the employee. Cleaned, cleaned out every. They just took everything. It was like one thing after. It's taking candy from the baby. They just yeah. not follow the walls. And uh, the guardianship is. It can even be used, even if they don't. Even if it's not uh, the government who put it on you, they could take it away from your family member who's overseeing stuff for their own parent. They'll just transfer yeah. that guardianship. So I oh, would yeah. love that's like the Tarkini story mm-hmm. did that. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, that's okay. crazy. Do you ever think then when they get old, someone's going to guardianize them because they're going to know that they have a lot of money? Because isn't that what's that saying? There's no honor among thieves. True enough. Well, that's what they I said all along. I yeah, think they that's just, what I said all along. Be, these people. Yeah. These people go mm-hmm. out there and do this stuff, and it never occurs to them. They've laid the groundwork for how to do it to them. And I'm mm-hmm. still waiting, and there's a bill from, I believe, 1995 or 98 that was sent to me, and it's about restitution when you've committed a crime. Um, and yet I haven't seen, other than this April Parks case in Nevada, where they said she has to pay restitution, she hasn't paid anybody a dime. It's been more than five years. And nobody's her money's all hiding in her Cayman yeah. Islands, and because I guess that's the new spot to hide your money is the Cayman Islands. Yeah. And uh, wow. but she hasn't paid anybody any restitution, and um, so she may not get to spend it, but they're not going to spend it either. But we need a bill that it calls for immediate restitution. Um, you were able to do an asset search and find out what your victims had. We should be able to do the mm-hmm. same thing to you, find out what you have, and disperse mm-hmm. it accordingly. Um, it, I just think that's only fair. But I, like I say, it's going back to how can we resolve this? How can we fix it? And I think the first thing we need to look at doing is going after the big shot sitting up there on the bench. That's who makes the whole system run. That's who makes the deals. That's who who does the dirt. And it's them that okays all this stuff, that lies to the victim, refuses to let them speak, fires their attorneys and their doctors. And that's another thing that needs to change. You should be able to keep your own private attorney and your own physician instead of bringing in these strangers. How many times have we seen doctors Mm -hmm. brought in that have never even examined the client? And yet make reports. I go back and I use it as the standard on this. Uh, Some years ago, the psychiatrist wrote that court in Arizona and said, based on what I've been told, I haven't seen the the patient, they are bipolar. If this doesn't work, let me know and I'll write you up something else. And That's morning. Did I? I remember. I think I told you. Mentioned one time. My ex-husband's attorney. He just went out and hired some uh, doctor, some psychiatrist, uh, and he writes a, an assessment of me. I never met the guy. Never saw the guy. He wouldn't oh know God. me if I fell on him. He just wrote up some. Cra- I'm, I'm just using general words. You know. 
He just wrote up what yeah. called a crazy report. He never spoke with me. He never met me. He wouldn't know if I fell on him. And yeah, they're allowed to get away with this nonsense. Yeah. And um, and, and I find it. And when these when the court appoints these people, that's a conflict of interest because they have their own agenda from the beginning. They're working mm-hmm. with the right. Oh, yeah. Who's stealing the estate? Uh, at the minimum, they should have to uh, afford a person to be able to get their own private independent evaluation. Yes. Well, and what I want to know uh, is, right. if you have insurance, why why are all these like psychiatrists yes. giving you just getting paid like all this ten thousand dollars out of the estate? Oh, so yes. Why isn't this getting covered under your health insurance? Because it's yes. all it. that came up. That came up with <sighs> my family court stuff. Um, we, you know, we had pre, at the time we had premium health insurance. Okay. And some of these psychologists and all the whole parade of experts who they drag into my case, I didn't ask for them. They bring all these people in and I think Mm -hmm. most of them accepted health insurance, right. For somebody who just calls them from the phone book. But in Mm -hmm. our case, in our case, it was cash only. And that is because your insurance, these insurance companies are not going to pay. There's no code for abusing someone, torturing yeah. someone, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what they, and you can't have someone, you know, they can't bill endlessly and they have to put something justifiable down. I mean, could they, is there a code where they locked my children in rooms and threatened them? I don't think there's a code for that. I don't think there's a code for, <laughs> oh, they sexually harassed me, a couple of these people. Uh, I don't think there's a code yeah. for that. You have a code, you know, like, but yeah. that is why yeah. they don't want, now, they don't want anything so, coming up. And I even tried to do it after the fact, after they billed me in cash, I didn't send the check out. My ex sent the checks out and it came out of my money. I even tried after the fact to go back and get reimbursed and uh, they refused to write down the code so that I can get reimbursed. Oh, so, wow. Oh, wow. Yep. Now, you know, <laughs> while we're talking about Montgomery County, I read an article, Elaine, what do you know, Dr. Oz from this TV show, what, is yeah. he like a TV doctor? He's running for some some political the office out of Montgomery County. Yeah, yeah. no, no, what no, no. What's going on he's there? Running, no, no, he's running for a U.S. senator to fill a seat because one of our U.S. senators is not running again. So he is joining to be one of the candidates to run for U.S. Senator. Oh, so, wow. See. And there's something like, what, is in-laws live in Montgomery County or something? As I read the article, he has some, oh, it's somehow tied to Montgomery does, County. I, I don't know. Yeah. I didn't know he did. I didn't know he lived yeah. here, but I can tell you we have um, he one of the commissioners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, one of the commissioners is also running now. He's running on, I believe, the Republican party which ticket was, and which one uh which commissioner valerie arcouche so she would be okay. running on the she's running on the democratic uh ticket and uh i think there's a whole long list running for well actually there's a really long list running for governor and then there's a number of them that are running for uh these we have a long list running for all these different candidates. Uh, I don't remember ever having such a long list. So that'll be, it'll be interesting. The guardians will get paid well when they vote for their wards. 
I don't know if people realize that in Pennsylvania, the Guardian can vote for their ward. That's got to be for sale. Yeah. They do that all over the country Uh in every election. Um, What they do is the Guardians and the nursing homes. And I've seen court cases or tribunal cases where they're stripped of all their rights except the right to vote. And I always Mm -hmm. thought, isn't that odd? Well, here a couple of years, I figured out why. They bundle up all the cases on guardianship and conservatorship where they've been left that right, but they won't let them vote. And the nursing homes uh, where they go in and take the death certificates and they fill out these bogus uh, applications to vote, registrations, and they all have the same address because they're in a nursing home. And but what they do is it's death certificates and people under guardianship and conservatorship. And these are bundled up and the bundlers sell all these names and addresses and all the pertinent information to various attorneys who then farm it out to either political party. They both do it. And that's how dead people vote. Um, that's where those dead voters come from. That's all been taken from nursing homes, hospitals, um, guardianships, conservatorships, um, that's exactly what it is, another way they make money. I want to talk about something quick here before we finish up. And I had a lady ask me if I would speak about it here. Um, when you go in the hospital, particularly if you are over the age of 50, they will send in a social worker to visit with you and make sure you're okay. You run that person out of the room. Do not speak to them and inform them that if they file if bogus report claiming they did speak to you that you will sue them Um, we're finding that what they do they'll send these people in like you might be going in there for a tummy talk let's just say and they'll come in and if you refuse even if you refuse to talk to them and ask them to leave they'll go right report and say that you are exhibiting evidence of uh, physical abuse um, you appear to have certain mental conditions that might be prohibiting you from making a, a good decision. I mean, just they'll write up all kinds of stuff like they actually interviewed you when, in fact, they did not. And mm-hmm. um, But this is usually the catalyst that starts the ball rolling for the guardianship. The other thing is when you go in the hospital, when you are being admitted, and they always have the screen uh, the back of the screen to you, and it's, it will sign this as a standard admission form. No, it isn't. Uh, tell them if that's what it is. If they got that big printer sitting there, print you off a hard copy. Once you read it, you'll sign that. And uh, I've had them get mad at me and say, just sign it. No, print me off a copy. It will have the word biologics in it. That means they can do blood experiments on you, vaccinate you mm. whether you want to be or not. They can do whatever they like with you. The word biologic covers big territory don't ever sign an admission form without seeing the hard copy and signing the hard copy mark out the word biologics put your initials next to it and then underneath where it says signature scratch out the word signature that is a contract term you are agreeing to the contract that's being offered in the admissions form you cross that word out and put the word uh autograph down there meaning no contract implied and these are just little things i have learned along the way um also when you go in especially if you're 50 or older while you're waiting to be admitted they're running an asset search on you and when i asked a admissions clerk why are you doing that 
because I could see what she was doing. She says, well, we, 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 we just want to know you can pay the bill. I've got two insurance cards there. I think I'm good. Well, mm-hmm. we, you know, and uh, we just want to know why are you doing that? And but see, they're setting you up. It is a dangerous place for anybody that's elderly to be is in a hospital setting. We have hospitals now, Virginia, the state of Virginia is one of them. You go into the hospital there, you immediately lose all rights to make any medical decisions. That's all taken over by the hospital and the doctors. You cannot object or accept anything. They're, they're going to do what they want, and they're trying to get this passed in several states. This will adversely affect particularly the elderly, and it will, you, you lose your rights. It's a dangerous situation, a dangerous place to be. I just read where hospital admissions by the elderly are down almost 70%. People have caught on. Don't go to the hospital. You ain't coming home. And so these are things that are all happening on the periphery of what we're talking about that can set up the situation that allows one of these predators to step in and take you hostage. And this is a hostage situation. This is no different than if somebody broke into your house, snatched you out of your bed, and drug you off into the night. The only difference is you've got one of these fools sitting up on this bench nodding his head going, okay, yeah, that's fine with me. As long as it's not me, I don't care. And this is, this is human trafficking. You cannot... You cannot call this anything else. This is not about protecting the elderly or the sick or the chronically ill. This isn't isn't about that at all. This is human trafficking with the intent to profit. And they don't care what happens to you. Um, They truly do not. And that people have to fight and fight and fight to get out of this system if they ever can. Uh, Britney Spears I firmly believe the only reason that judge cut her loose was because the public pressure was becoming so great that, mm-hmm. and this system being yeah. exposed to this extent that this does happen. Like we've said all these years, this does happen. It happens regularly. And they let her loose thinking this would die down. But what I'm seeing is that the Free Britney people are pushing now to end all of these. They didn't disband and fall away because now she's not under conservatorship anymore. Mm-hmm. They've decided to take this up for a cause. So and we, we have, have our, our I, we have our yeah. I Care a Lot movie that came out. We have the new yep. documentary that they're getting ready to do in Alaska that Cindy was yes. telling me oh, about yeah, the American yeah. Greed. Ah. Yeah, oh, oh, or something like that. And um, yeah. anyway, that'll be. That'll be exciting to see, you know. Uh, I just that got one excited over there in <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know. And now we we need a hog report. <laughs> yes, go ahead, please, please. Do the I need some oil. <laughs> there you go. Okay, we're doing it late. This hog report is sponsored by Montgomery or Shenanigans in the Montgomery County Courthouse. Find them on Facebook. I don't know, are they on? I think they're on Pinterest and Instagram and some of these other things too. But anyway, I usually find them on um, on Facebook, and they really love. They're the reason why I got to find Arthur because Arthur found us making comments at Shenanigans. So it's been a great 
a great way for us to all meet each other. So thank you, Mr. Shenanigans. And anyway, so today's hog is the jealous hog. And I, when I was doing my research on the jealous hog, there was a lot of articles where the hog is like your significant other. But I wasn't really wanting to focus so much on that because that doesn't really pertain to what we're talking about. But so basically, if you are in a relationship with like a narcissist, I would definitely recommend for you to go ahead and Google jealous narcissist, jealous psychopath and read those articles. But what I want to glean from the articles that I read is what pertains to us in our in our fight against guardianship and dealing with the false advocates who are glory hogs. They get jealous. Now, a jealous glory hog, the reason they're going to get jealous is, A, you might be getting more attention than they are getting, and they definitely don't like that. So they want to be number one on the attention. So if you do something like you get, you know, somehow in the media or, you know, Anything that they are not a part of, they're going to be jealous. Now, once the glory hog is jealous, they're going to target you. You're going to be under target. And so you got to watch out for that because the jealous glory hog does not like losing control. And the reason why they become jealous is because they've lost control over you. And that just can't be in their little hogalicious world. And so some of the examples are if you is like if you become the great speaker and they don't get to be the speaker, or if you had an article po- writ- like written in like a publication or like a book or a movie or you know something like that, you're going to be a guest speaker. They are jealous, and they are going to do anything they can to destroy you because. They can't have you outshining them because they are the most glorious hog of all. Marty, would you like to add to that at all? Jealous hog. Well, no, I think that's pretty uh, – we've run into them. We've all encountered them, and they do operate from a pivotal point of jealousy. They're desperate for mm-hmm. attention. Uh, they're constantly name-dropping of who important person they were with or they talked to or they're working with. Um, constantly inflating their uh, credentials, claiming things they don't have. Um, <laughs> this this is nonstop. You can't stop them. And right. eventually, they they just end up messing things up for other people, and they walk away, and they find something else that you know they can land on. So it's just um, the jealousy. I think is a very big part of the glory hog persona. I think you're right. Right. And yeah. And don't try to outshine them. So what you want to do is just, you know, kind of don't tell the glory hog what you're doing because yeah. then well, don't, they can't get jealous. You can't pay any attention to them. You can't engage. You cannot participate. And um, like I say, they need that attention. And so they will mm-hmm. lie about you. They will put out false statements about you to other people, trying to get you to mm-hmm. respond, trying to get some kind of drama going. So you pay attention to them. Don't do it. Just let them slide by the wayside. Stay in the gutter where they belong. That's where most hogs yeah. are. Wallow, okay. wallow in it. Yeah. Yeah. We got about two minutes, how many, girls. How many oinks how did many? I get? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> God help me. Uh, oh, good Lord. And by the way, this is the most popular portion of the show. Uh, I know some people don't Aww. like it. They think it's unprofessional. But, you know, the thing is, it can't be gloom and doom all the time. It'll take you down, as many of you know, that have become involved in these mm-hmm. things. So much misery and negativity before it wears you down. Find a reason to laugh, no matter what it is. Find something that you enjoy. Break away from what's going on. Uh, separate from it and do something just for you. Um, be with people that you enjoy being with. Be with your family if it's possible. Uh, do do something that breaks this, whatever this is. And it is wearing people. We've seen it over the years absolutely destroy people. Many of them have PTSD from it or what they call legal abuse syndrome. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it, it, but we're going to keep doing the hog report, whether you like it or you Yay. don't. And <laughs> I want to remind everyone, these shows are brought to you in coordination with Marcel Reed and the Whistleblower Summit. And uh, there's going to be some changes there, too. And when she's ready to go and they've got everything together, we'll be announcing that. And, of course, Marcel always has our our support, no matter what she's doing. So there you go. Anyway, the mm-hmm. rest of you, have a good evening. Kaz, Elaine, thank you for tuning in yeah. and thank being you. part of the show tonight. I appreciate it. And let's keep an eye out for Arthur. Um, yeah. Keep touching bases with him because he's, he's needing our support right now. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, we're going to have to be there for him. Anyway, yeah. we will be back next Friday night. That will be our last show for the year, and then we're taking a break, and we'll be back in January. So next, December 17th, next Friday, is our Christmas show, and we intend to have a little fun on that. We'll talk to you all then. Again, everyone, (laughs) everybody, thank you for tuning in, and good night. Good night. Good night. Mm Bye-bye.